Hey, good morning, 2911. It is good to be back in this spot. <laughs> I've been over there too long. I am glad to be here. And uh, man, been kind of tied up too much at home and get out for a breakfast every once in a while or lunch with somebody. And you know you're tied up at home too much when you look forward to physical therapy just so you get an excuse to get out, right? You know, so I've been, uh, hadn't, hadn't preached in three weeks, so I hope you brought your lunch today, right? Just a joke, all right? Uh, maybe, hopefully. But uh, I hope you're not like the little boy who um, came home three hours late from church one day, and his dad said, what in the world took so long? And the little boy said, I think we had an escaped missionary today preaching at the church. And hope you don't feel like it's that. But uh, also, we had missionaries with us just a few moments ago. Uh, Mark and Shana had several guests from, um, from Italy with them, and uh, they, they call it like the end of the first service, so they stayed for the for the worship of the, of the second service, they slipped out, so don't, I didn't want any of y'all to think we made them mad and they're gone. Uh, we talked to him, they're headed, he's trying to take them to as many churches as he can today and get, let them just, uh, just get as much as they can in the few days that they are here. So, glad you're here. Uh, let me just say a little disclaimer before we jump into this message on Transformers. I'm sorry, I have to admit, I'm just not a really big Transformers fan, okay? Um, I've been in the room when the TV show was on, you know, the old cartoons and the kids watching that, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of the names because of my, uh, my grandson, Colin, you know, I, I, I know some of the names, you know, got to look for the toys and those kinds of things. Uh, this is the fifth of, of these movies, Transformers, and it is the first one that I've seen, so I have to just, just go ahead and let you know that, but... When I, when I left that day, it was like I was overwhelmed. I knew a lot of the names, a lot of that. I was overwhelmed with the movie and um, just, lay, just trying to think, man, what, what did I get out of that? But then studying and going, I saw, real, wow, there's some things here. Something really, really important I really want to drill down into. But I'm going to run through some things real quick and get to that place as fast as I can that I really want to drill down into. Okay, so let's have a word of prayer and let's open ourselves up to hear from God. Father, we thank you, God. Thank you for this past week. God, again, I thank you for doors of opportunity open this week. Uh, God, just a couple of weeks ago, we decided to really step out, and God, when we started taking the steps, you just started throwing the doors open, and you've left them open, God. We've continued to have opportunity after opportunity to just minister to people in need, God, people that needed to come to you or come back to you. Thank you, God, for that. I, pr I pray, God, for everyone here, God, that we can hear you and not, not hear what I'm saying with our ears, but hear what the Spirit of God, your Spirit is saying to us in our hearts that we, we'd be challenged by you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, so Transformers. Let me give you some, let me give you just a few little things from the movie. Here's Here's, here's a, a couple of quotes. The first one is from Sir Edmund Burton. Without leaders, chaos reigns. Okay, so here's the first thing I want to point out to you. And, uh, and this is 20-plus years of pastoral experience, okay? About 20 years before we even started 2911. Okay, I, I, I'm, I'm not, this is not a survey. This is not everybody else is saying. I'm telling you what I am seeing, okay? With 20-plus years of pastoral experience, I'm telling you that one of the biggest problems people have in their lives today. The reason a lot of people's world is just always seems to be falling apart is they don't have the most important leader active in their life. And what I mean by that is I don't mean your dad, don't mean your mom, I don't mean your mentor. All of those are important. Don't mean pastor or whatever. I'm talking about yourself. There is a famine of self-discipline in our world today. 
It's like we just, just whatever happens, and it's like we're not in control. You, the very first thing I want you to hear me say this morning is you have to take control of your life. You know, don't let anything else be in control. You have to be in control because without leaders, and if you're not leading your life, without leaders, there's chaos in your life. I guarantee it. If you are not owning your life, if you don't own your mistakes, own your failures, own your, own your growth, we say that around here a lot. You've got to own your growth. If you're not doing that, I guarantee you there is chaos reigning in your life. Okay? Leads to a second quote. Uh, and this is from King Arthur. Yeah, that, that guy, King Arthur. Uh, Without sacrifice, there could be no victory. Uh, you've heard it said, anything worth having is worth fighting for, right? You know, so we know that, right? Without, but without sacrifice, there could be no victory. So first of all, I need to be looking at my life and say, am I really owning my life? Am I doing, am I making sure it's happening? Am I leading my life or am I just following everything else or allowing everything else to change me? Am I doing that and am I sacrificing? Am I putting the work in? You know, for a lot of people when I say own your life, well that means, man, I, good, I get to play more video games, you know, and, and eat more pizza and just hang around at home. And that, No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being mature and responsible, so this has to go with it, is that you need to be thinking, am I Leading my, or am I letting other things control my life? Am I leading my life? And am I doing what is necessary to build, sacrificing and putting self aside so I can make sure the right things are happening? Okay? Third thing. Now, this is uh, Merlin, and yeah, from, uh, don't anybody can be confused. I'm not backing up to Jeff's sermon from a few weeks ago uh, about King Arthur, but it's kind of all interwoven in this story, this movie. But Merlin is a fraud, we find out, at least in this telling of the story. Merlin is a fraud, but he knows how to ask the question. Okay, so Merlin is really not a wizard who's got all these incantations and spells that he can do. He's just a fraud. He's just got, he's just got a lot of, of, of secrets or a, a lot of tricks that he uses, you know, a lot of the, those kinds of things that he uses. And in, in this movie, he knows where help is, and so he goes for help, and when he asks for help, he gets turned down. And then he asks again and changes it up a little bit, and this time he gets help. So, so Merlin understands the power of asking. You know, he doesn't have real power, but he understands asking. Okay, if you've been here long, you've heard James 4 and 2 over and over and over. That a lot of times we don't have simply because we haven't asked. We haven't received something because we've not asked. You know that we go to all the trouble. We, 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 we fight for stuff, but because we haven't asked God. Here, here's my point with Merlin. is you may look at your life and say, I don't have any power. I'm, I'm, I'm not much. I can't do very much. You know what? You don't have to. If you're fighting a spiritual battle, you don't have any power. So quit worrying about that. What you need to do is you need to know what Merlin knew. You need to know where, where help is, and you need to start learning how to ask for that help. I'm talking about God, right? I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about speaking to him and saying, God, I need your help. So you don't have the power. That's fine. But just learn where to ask and make the ask, okay? Another quote. Two quotes here from Cade Yeager. First one, he says, all right, we're doing this together. And this is uh, in the movie, Vivian, a lady you're introduced to in the movie. She's got to go somewhere very dangerous. She's got to go do something very dangerous. But Cade says, all right, we're in this together. God never intended you to fight alone. Look around you. Look look around you. You see these people you're sitting with? 
Why, why are we all sitting together? Why are we here? Most of you sitting here, you're actually members of this particular body. You've joined this. So God has put you in a place surrounded by people. You know, he doesn't intend on you to fight your battles alone. You know, you, you've, got, you've got small groups, you know, that you've been a part of. And those people, you know, this, this summer we, we were kind of adjusting them to serve groups and doing serve projects. But even in that, you've got small groups that you're a part of that, that, that are people that you can rely on. And, and I know some of you are saying, well, you know, no, I hadn't really connected with small groups, so I don't know anybody. Exactly. But it's not God's fault. You're not, you're not fighting alone because God wants you to fight alone. If you're fighting alone, that's your fault. You've got people surrounding you right here in this room right now every single Sunday. You're in, you're in small groups and serve projects. If you serve on a ministry team, you are, you are laboring right next with, to, to someone else that, that God has put in your life on purpose. This is God's design, so take advantage of it. And then Cade says, B's always had my back. Yeah, always had my back. It's time I had his. And he's talking about Bumblebee. And so even if you're not a, you're not a Transformer fan, you, you've probably seen Bumblebee. You've heard of Optimus Prime. Maybe. Maybe you have. You know, but Bumblebee, that's who he's talking about. Bumblebee, one of the Transformers. He says, B's always had my back. It's time I had his. So here's another question for you. Who can count on you? He said, it, it, there's, there's something about this, this whole thing, going back to that, that, the previous thing that I was talking about with Cade and where he said we're in this all together. There's just something going on, it seems like, these days where, where there's this individual Christianity, you know, on my own and everything. No, no, God has put you in the middle of all these people, but not just to help you. Also, he's put you there for you to be there for them. You should be able to just run off at least five names of people that know they can count on you. All they got to do is pick up the phone and you'll be there. And if not, if, if there aren't five people, you know, in this room or, or somewhere, I'm not, and I'm not talking about your spouse, okay? That, that's a given with your spouse, okay? But I'm talking about people that, you know, you, you aren't blood related to that, that just know they can pick up the phone. If you don't have people like that, then you're still doing this thing alone. I mean, even if you're reaching out for others, you need to also be counted upon, Okay? All right, here's one more little thing from the movie. And, and this is, uh, and some of you that have seen the movie, y'all are, y'all are worried. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do any big spoilers, okay? But find your voice and share your message. Okay, so in, the, in this movie, they, they, they're trying to help Bumblebee find his voice, and they find a voice for him. But it's not his voice. It's Siri's voice, you know, the one on the phone, you know, you talk to Siri. I mean, that's, at least that's what it sounded like to me. It sounded like that somebody found an old, one, you know, an old speaker from that, old module from that, and it stuck it in. Okay, a little bit of a spoiler there, but not a big one, okay? No big, not going any farther with that. Um, but they tried to find his voice, but it wasn't his voice. He, he needed to find his voice. So, so why, why was this a big deal? I mean, you know, they're, they're being shot at, you know, and all of this, and, and they're trying to help him find his voice. You know, we, we use a term sometimes in church called, like, you know, share your testimony, and, and that sounds like an old term. We don't even know what really that means. All it means is share your story. We all have a story. You need to find your story so that you, you know what to share. You, you've got something to share. Okay, so, so here's, here's the whole thing. Maybe try to wrap this up. You know, when, when you watch a Spider-Man movie, especially this new one that came out, you know, it's, it's like he's, he's dealing with street thugs, you know, and, and, and criminals and little small crimes, it seems like, even though with big ramifications, you know, down the road or whatever. But whenever, you know, you, you see Transformers or you see especially, you know, superheroes has anything to do with space, I mean, it's not, it's not like there's a crime going on down the block. 
I mean, it is, you know, the world is coming to an end. The universe is about to be destroyed, right? You know? And so wherever you are right now, these things that I've just shared with you, this, this last one I really want to drill into, wherever you are right now, is you need to really grasp these things. You know, uh, are, are, are you really leading your life or are you letting your life kind of lead you? Or are you being responsible? You know, or, or, or do you have that self-discipline? Uh, you know, and, and do, you, do you make the ask? Do you talk to God? Do you share with Him the things that you need? You know, and, and are you trying to do it alone? Are you in the middle of what God has blessed you with? It's awesome. This is awesome. And, you know, a lot of times the Bible talks about, you know, and, and man, all the songs that have been written over the years, this, this being an army. You're in the middle of this. Or, are you taking advantage of that? Or are you still being that standoffish, independent kind of a guy, you know, that you're doing your own thing or whatever? You need to be asking that question because I know for some of you, you've, you've got a, like a little street fight going on in your life. But, man, for, for a lot of you, man, you've, your universe is coming to an end. It's like your world is crumbling all around you. And, and, and if you don't do everything you can do, you know, you're not careful, you're going to lose it all. So you need to, and, and then find your voice. And, and it seems real, uh, you know, we don't understand it. It's like we've got it all backwards it's because our, our, our universe is coming to an end. And we're working on that. And, and God says, but go over here and do this. Go tell somebody your story. And, you know, you're thinking, but if I, if I go do that, my universe, that, and, and God said, David said this, told us at the end of her sermon, I think it was uh, at the end, two weeks ago, which is what God, what God tells us is if we'll go handle his thing, he'll handle our thing. You know, if you'll go do that little bitty thing that he's at, just tell your story. God says, I'll take care of you, universe. Man, isn't that a lot better, you know? And so that's, what, that's the problem is a lot of us are working on our universe, and, and we never get away from our universe, and we don't realize. You're not, you can't hold your universe together. You need help that is a lot greater than you. And so reach out to him. Tell your story. Do your thing, okay? So if you want to hold all that together, you got to learn those lessons. But there's, a, there's, there's just one more, and I really want to drill down into this one today. Is, uh, it seems like every superhero movie, no matter all this stuff that I've already told you, comes down to this one thing. You have to do the right thing. It's about doing the right thing. And you know, it's not just superhero movies either. It's, it's about everything in life. If you want to have a great marriage, do the right things. If you want to raise great kids, do the right things. You want to have great finances, do the right things. You want to, you want to have a great career, a great business, do the right things. You want to have a great future, do the right things things, okay? Now, there's a story in the Bible in Mark chapter 10, and uh, this, uh, this uh, young guy comes to Jesus. We find out later that he had a lot of possessions. He was rich. He comes to Jesus and he says, Master, what good thing can I do so that I can have eternal life? What good thing can I do? And Jesus said, well, you, you know the commandments. And, he, and Jesus starts listing some of them. He doesn't list all 10 of the commandments. He says, you know the, the commandments, you know, don't murder, don't commit adultery. Don't steal. He lists several of them. You know, but I was thinking as you list, as you're reading that, it's almost like the way we've kind of done in church a lot of times, right? Somebody says, well, what does your church believe? And what do you say? Well, we don't believe in this, and we don't go here, and we don't do this, and we don't say that, right? So we talk about all the stuff we don't do. And that's what, that's what this guy was saying. Jesus said, you know the commandments, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And he said, and, you know, and this guy's probably beaming by now because he's saying, man, 
That's me. You, you just described me, Jesus. I haven't, I've been keeping all these commandments all of my life. I've not committed adultery. I've never murdered anybody. I've, not, I've been keeping these since I was a kid. I've not cheated anybody since I was a kid. I've done all of these things. And, man, he's probably all excited because, I know, because of what happens to him after Jesus says this next thing. But And Mark, uh, uh, I think Matthew and Luke also tell this story. But Mark says something different, a little different here. When he's telling the story, Mark was watching this, and he saw the face of Jesus. And, and he saw Jesus just overcome with compassion to this young man. And he said, but there's one thing you still need to do. You know, he said, I've, I've not done any of those bad things, Jesus. Not since I was a kid. And Jesus just wants him. And so I want you to get this, okay? When, when, when you know, especially, man, when I, when I just really want to feel like I got to get in your face or get on your toes, you know, it's because, man, I want you to have this awesome, I don't want your universe to fall apart. I want you to have this awesome life. That's what Jesus, when he, when he began to be filled with compassion for this young man, he wanted him to know, but there's one thing you got to do. He says, sell your possessions and give them to the poor and follow me. And, and, and Mark says, then his countenance fell. So that's how I know he was really excited at first, like, man, I've got this figured out. And then his countenance fell. And Mark says because he had a lot of possessions. And so he went away sorrowfully. So what Jesus is saying is, it's not enough to not do. There are some right things you have to do. You want a great marriage? It's not enough to just not have an affair. It's not enough to just not beat your wife. It's not enough to just not lie about the finances and how much you really paid for that new toy you just bought. That's not enough. There are, if you want a great marriage, there are some right things you have to do, not just stuff you refrain from doing. If you want to raise great kids, same thing. It's not enough to just not beat them half to death when they do something wrong or not cuss them and, uh, all day long about every little thing or whatever. It's not enough to just not do that there are some things you have to do. There are some right things you have to do. And see, and this young man, he's almost like a lot, a lot of people today. It's like, you know, hey, I'm here. I showed up. I'm on the right side today. You know, I came to church today. You know, so I put God first. You know, I, I, I didn't choose all those other things that sometimes I choose. Uh, today I, I chose to put God first, you know. That's not enough. It's, it, it's, it's just not enough. And you know why it's not enough? Let me tell you why it's not enough. Because we have purpose. It's not enough because we have purpose within us. And just, just showing up will never fulfill your purpose. Just, just, just being here is not enough. It, it, just like in the movie, and there's, man, there's, there's some tension and, and some temptation there for, for the Autobot, the good guys, to, to jump on the Transformers, to jump over and, and to be one of the bad guys because one of them has changed sides, you know, and so there's some, some tension there, maybe even temptation to do that, but, but it's not enough for Bumblebee to say, no, I'm not going to be a part of the bad guys. He's also got to choose to be a part of the good guys and fight as one. There are some good things to do. There's a fight to fight. There are, some, there are some things that have to be done. There are some things that, that must be fulfilled. So it's not enough to, to, like this man, say, hey, I'm at church. You know, I put all my other stuff aside today. So today, God's number one. That's not enough. There's some stuff that, you know, I, I, salvation is free. 
Salvation's free. But if you, want, if you don't want your, your, your universe, your world, to fall down around your saved soul, then you've got some good things you've got to do. And that's really where I want to drill down here is about these good things. And there, there's, as an example, because, you know, if I took all afternoon and just went around one by one, I couldn't preach to each one of you about the things that, so here's where you've got to own your growth too. You've got to hear all of this. And don't just hear what I'm saying with my mouth and your ears. Hear what the Spirit of God is saying to your heart. Own your growth here, okay? Take, take these precepts and turn them into, to, uh, into a way to truly live your life and make your life what it really needs to be. Because I need to share some things with you today. I need, I need, to, be, I need to be blunt. I need to be in, in our face, okay? This is where God has led me to this, okay? So, so here, here's just one example of how to live, you know, in a way that you do the right things, okay? How, how to do right things. And, and, and not just how so much, but what, what this is going to show us is the importance of more than it even shows us the how. And we'll talk about the how at the very end of it. But I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, I, I deleted three slides right before church today because I just knew I didn't have time to share everything with you, you know, even though I wanted to. So I'm hurrying right here. But Ephesians chapter 5 deals with the most important interpersonal relationship most of us will ever have in our life, and that's our marriage, okay? Our, our marriage, okay? And so if you're not married but you're about to be married or one day you plan to be married, don't zone out. Don't go to sleep here. You need to listen to this, okay? And if you aren't married and don't ever plan to be, then listen anyway and listen to what is written between the lines of what God is saying to us about how we do this thing, okay? So let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to talk a little bit about marriage, but this is about, this is about doing right things. Let, let me show you this, okay? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, stop right there for just a moment. Because what most of us do is we get in the next verse and we totally forget this verse. This verse says submit to one another. Okay? Now we're going to get into the next verse and it's going to be talking about wives submitting to their husbands. And we're going to totally forget that he was talking about us submitting to one another. Okay? Okay? So don't forget that. But I, I like how, how this this translation of the Bible, words is, it says, because for wives, this means, okay, here's what he's saying, is we all have to submit to one another, and let me tell you what this means for wives, okay, that's what he's saying, okay, so he says, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church, he is the savior of his body, uh, and uh, the church, as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything, okay, so let me tell you what that didn't say, guys. That didn't say we're boss, okay? It didn't say that. If you think that, I'm about to really bust your bubble when we read the next few verses, okay? That's not what that says, okay? And it doesn't mean, wives, you listen up because we're the boss. That's not what it said. I, I want you to get the picture here. And ladies, if you will listen to me and get this, you will love it, okay? I think you will love this. Here's what he's saying. He's drawing us a correlation here between the relationship of Christ and his church and a husband and wife. And he says, here's what Christ did. Christ gave himself for the church. He died for the church. He didn't give a moment. He didn't give a little bit. He gave everything for the church. And in so doing, he, he, through his blood, he has given us this covering. 
we now have atonement by the blood of Jesus Christ, meaning we have forgiveness of all of our sins. And so what do we do is if we say, yes, you know, I, I'm not in a right place with God and, and I, want to, I want to be right with God and I want, I want right things happening and good things happening in my life. And so what we do is we look to Jesus, we say thank you, and then we get up under that covenant that he has provided, right? And so if you look at it that way, and this is maybe a little, you know, a little cutesy, but still follow me here, okay, is, is, listen, ladies, your husband works and provides and sacrifices. Okay, now, now let me just throw this in here a little bit, okay, is that this was written a long time ago. I know today a lot of families, probably most families, the wife works also, okay, and in some families, the, the husband, maybe, maybe because of health or whatever reason, can't work at all, and so the wife is the only one working, okay? So, so you've got to kind of look beyond that context and understand the context of what Paul is saying here just a little bit to get this. He's, just, he's saying to these wives that didn't work outside the home that your husband is working. He is sacrificing. He is doing what he needs to, to, to provide a house, to provide the, the stuff that you need for the home. So ladies, listen, don't go live out in the backyard in a tent Go live in the house. Go live under his blessing of what he has been doing. Go accept this. Submit to this. Say, man, and tell him, this is a good place, okay? Because here, there's a very important word, uh, and we're going to skip a few verses and come back to them in just a second, but there's a very important word that, that Paul gets to at the end of this, and it's verse 33, and so I, wanna, I need to throw this in here so you get the rest of it. He says, so again I say, and this is the wrap-up, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and I'm going to come back to that in a few moments, and the wife must respect her husband. And so see, like, if you were to sleep out in the backyard tonight because you said, you know, this house you've provided, it, it ain't worth li- living in. I mean, that wouldn't be respect, would it? But when you, you know, it's like, Every night, you know, that, that these ladies, especially, you know, go back in time and just think about ladies not working outside the house, that kind of thing. And he's telling them, you know, every, every night that you sleep in his house, you're saying, you have been a good provider. She is putting respect on him. She's giving him respect. And, and in the same way, some of you are really big into Proverbs 31, the Proverbs 31 woman. Read it. Read it again. And you know what you'll find there? You will find this woman that is doing everything she can to respect her husband. You'll find it in little places, and then you'll find it just very obviously that she is doing everything she can to build respect in her husband. And not just how she treats him, but what she is doing in building this even in the community so that the community respects him. Okay, so how does this play out? How does this really play out? I could give you a lot of examples, okay, but... I've really, I've really centered on one today that I want to give you. Now, I, re- I remember, and, and one thing that helped me was quite a few years ago, I, I don't even, sometime in the 90s, we slipped in for Father's Day. I got someone, I was pastoring, and so got someone to fill in for me, and, and I slipped in without letting my dad know for Father's Day. We were all, you know, me and David and the kids, we, we came over for church to be with him for Father's Day, and he, he was preaching, and he was talking about, these scriptures that I just read to you, and, and, and he, said, he said this is the way it kind of plays out. He says that Betty Sue, that's my mom's name if you don't know. He said, Betty Sue, she'll submit to me making the final decision. He said, and then I'll go out and do what Betty Sue wants me to do. Boy, that's, that's got to make for a happy marriage, right? But let me, let me tell you how this works. It, you know, it really, it really made sense to me then. Let me tell you how this works. When we were living in Texas, ministering in Texas, and um, we decided to leave our position there, get back home, we wanted to plant a church. And uh, 
when we, when we were getting ready to move back here, we had to find a house. We were able to get here for a couple of days to look for a house. And uh, we, we didn't have much time to spend, but we looked at as many houses as we could. And, and uh, Cindy Dodd was, was our agent, and uh, she's normally in, she was in first service again this morning. That's her, her normal service. And uh, we looked at all the houses we could. And when we got back home to Texas where we were ministering because we had jobs, we had to hurry back. And uh, we got there, and we were talking about the houses. And, you know, it was pretty obvious that there were, there were only a handful of the ones we looked at that we were even interested in. But as I ta- asked more and more questions, we talked more and more. There was this one house that needed a lot of work on it, needed a lot of things fixed on it. But it was obvious that was the house David wanted. She never said, go get that house for me. But everything else she said was telling me to go get that house for her. And so I picked up the phone, I called Cindy, and I I said, Cindy, uh, I know what the asking price is, but what do you think it'll take to buy this house? And I, now listen, let me tell you, do right things. Don't overextend yourself. I checked the budget before I called Cindy, okay? I knew what we could afford, even before we started looking at houses, okay? I knew what we could afford. So I called Cindy, I said, I know what the asking price is, what do you think it'll take to get in this house? She said, well, you can make an offer, but they already have one offer. Uh, That's a pretty good offer, and so I don't know what to tell you. And so I said, well... Make a full price offer. That was the only way I could make sure that we were going to get the house. And let me tell you why I did that. It was because David respected me. Because she was respecting, if she's, if she's told any of you that I am perfect, she lied that one time, okay? I'm not perfect, but she, was, she respected the man of God I was trying to be. She respected the way I tried to provide for my family. She respected the times that it wasn't easy and I got up and did it anyway. She respected the times that, that you know, I was struggling but I still did what was necessary for the family. She respected the way I tried to be a good father. I wasn't perfect, okay? Don't, don't misunderstand this because some of you are going to say, well, you know, well, I, I don't have a perfect husband like Sister Dave. Sister Dave ain't got a perfect husband. You don't believe it? Ask her. She'll tell you. She'll share just a few things, so, and I'll give her permission, okay? That since she told that egg story that I'm not supposed to talk about anymore, I'll, t- I'll give her permission to tell one on me or whatever. So, you know, I, I'm not perfect, but she respected my attempts to do that. And let me tell you what that does, ladies. When you respect a man because that is... That is the number one thing that every man needs. He needs respect. He needs, and if you don't believe that, look at the other men in your life. Look at your father. Look at your uncles. Look at your grand, grandfathers, and you will see they, they just beam when people respect them. And even if they mess up, when people respect their attempts, it's the number one thing to me. And, and, and when David was doing that, let me tell you what it did is it set me on fire to want to get her exactly the house that she wanted. And that's why we live at 1124 Pearl Lane in Mount Olive, Alabama, still today. We fix the house up. We do all that. Because, and this is the way this works, guys, ladies, together. It works together. This is a teamwork thing. Doing right stuff is about doing it together as a team. And so she did that, and it made me want to do that. Okay, so I, 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 got, I got to hurry right here. I, I got to talk about the husband. I got to read the scripture to you and show you just a few things. This is verse 25, okay? Back to where we're reading. And remember, verse 21 said, submit to one another. For wives, verse 22, this means this. What does it mean for husbands? Here's, he tells us. 
For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Love your wife like Christ. Well, I love, you know, I got friends that say, I told her when we got married I love her, and if anything changes, I'll let her know. That's not loving like Christ. Loving like Christ is not holding it back. Loving like Christ is pouring it out. He didn't hold anything back for you. And the way, and guys, the way we're supposed to love our wives is the way he did. It, it took, Jesus couldn't say it from heaven. He had to come here and die for our sins. Uh, I, my, my father-in-law who has passed away, uh, he used to love to talk about how, how Christ bargained at Gethsemane. At night, over he just threw himself over that rock and bargained for our salvation. This is not, it's not just doing the easy stuff. It's about sacrifice. Sacrifice. About pouring it all out and doing whatever. That's what it takes. That's our job. That's our job, guys. And so, ladies, if you understand now, that's kind of why he sits it up this way. Guys, that's our job. It's our job. We're, we're the ones that's supposed to do. Okay, now here's where I, I really got to meddle just a little bit. I hope I'm not meddling in anybody's present, but I, I want to meddle in your future here a little bit, okay? I, I, I want to I I really draw a picture for you. I really want you to get this, because if, if you're not careful, you are going to be deceived in something. I can tell you stories, but I can't because of confidentiality and certain things like that, but I can tell you stories of ladies, Christian ladies, and, and that's plural, Christian ladies who gave up their marriage because someone at work or somewhere else gave them attention they weren't giving, getting from their husbands. You know, and, and, and here's, here's the sad part about it is, just about every one of them, you know, they, they start feeling these feelings toward this man at work or wherever or something, and, and then they start, you know, they start destroying their marriage, and then by the time they've got their marriage destroyed too much to fix it, that's when they finally realize that the guy at work has no intention of having a relationship with them. He was just being nice. You look pretty today. Like that dress. You did a good job on that. But because they are so starved for this one little thing, then they get it from this guy. You know, and here, here's, here's the big deception. And some of you have heard people say this but he completes me. And some of you may, some of you ladies, you're, you're going to hear that. Some of you may already be hearing that in your heart, but this guy completes me. Well, yeah, he does. You know, it's easy for him to complete you. You know why? Because you and your husband, y'all are working hard to provide the house. You're working hard to provide a car to go to work in if you work. You're working hard to provide for the groceries and the utilities, all of those things. All this, all this jerk's got to do is, you know, maybe compliment you a little bit more than your, than your husband. And so, yeah, he completes you because you and your husband together, you're already doing 90% of it, and he just does that other 10%. And then I've seen so many, and you have too, a lot of you, I've seen so many women walk away from 90% of a perfect life for the 10% of what looks best. I'm going to tell, tell you what to do about that here in just a moment, okay? But before I go there, I want to point something out to you guys. This is a warning to us. This is scary. I don't know if it's scary to you. It's scary to me that there are a lot of people that are giving up. And that's, that's not the goal. The answer is not 
to give up the 90% that is working in your marriage to chase after 10%. That's not the goal, but it's happening. People are, people are doing it because they're, they're working so hard to make this, and, and they think, oh, this is going to be so much better. No, 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 that's not the way it works. Guys, that, sca- that scares me. For me, it scares me for you. It scares me for your marriage. It scares me for my, my two kids and their marriages because people are doing that today. But, so let me tell you this, guys. Let me give you a warning. Let me, let me just get right in your face. I mean, if all of you wanted to walk up here right now, I'd stand in your face and I'd tell you this. Whatever your wife truly, now I'm not talking about wants. I'm not talking about wants. I'm not talking about selfish stuff. I'm talking about whatever your, tr- your wife truly needs that are the good things that you are supposed to give to her and provide for her. Whatever those things are that you are not giving to your wife, she is going to see in somebody else. It's going to happen. It's not going to happen because Satan makes it happen. It's going to happen anyway. Satan can go to sleep on this one. It's going to happen. Because, you know, if you just never compliment her, never tell her her, her clothes look good, she comes to church, and, and some guy that she never sees the rest of the day, she doesn't think he's after her, but he, he compliments her on that, and she thinks, I wish my husband would do that. Or maybe you don't help out enough at home, and she comes here, and somebody she doesn't even know, maybe in the first service or the second service, she sees a guy helping with the kids and says, well, I wish my husband would do that. I'm telling you guys, whatever you don't give your wife that she needs, she is going to see in somebody else. And it's not going to necessarily be a spiritual attack. That's just the truth. And the only thing we can hope is that we pull it all together before our spouses choose to give up the 90 for the 10%. So here's here's what we've got to do. We've got to do some right things. Let Let me get you started right here. First of all, focus on what you have. You, if you've got 90%, focus on that 90%. Right now, just focus on the 90%. Stop looking for green grass because I guarantee there's some green grass out there somewhere. Greener. Yeah, there is. There is. The closer you get to those yards that have more green grass, I've found there's a lot more weeds in them sometimes too. Focus on what you already have. And then start asking God for the stuff you need that you don't have. If you got 90%, focus on that 90 and start asking God for that 10% you don't have in your marriage yet. Start focusing on that or start asking him for that. that, that you, not that you want, that you need. What about what I want? Don't worry about what you want. Worry about what you need. Worry about what you have. Focus on that and then ask God for what you need. And when you get that, it will be much more awesome than anything you could have ever wanted in your life. You will have more than you want because you'll have what you need. You'll be fulfilled. So that's the steps for a great marriage if you've already got one. Especially that other. Focus on what you have. Pray to God for what you need and just wait and watch how he fulfills it all when it's done. And you know what that may mean also? That may mean also that you've also got to talk to your spouse and say, you know, let me talk about this 10% that Pastor mentioned this morning. That's crazy. Crazy that the, the, one of the things I hear so much when we talk to couples or when we talk to individuals who are having problems in their marriage is, oh, I could never talk to him about that. Oh, I couldn't bring that up with her. You know, well, that's, that's a big part of the 10% or maybe 20%. That's a big part of the part you need to be praying about. And if that's the case, then you need to talk, you need to, talk to a, a mentor, a counselor, not a friend, okay? Now listen, can I just say this also? 
Don't talk to your friends about your problems in your marriage unless they're a licensed counselor and you're going to them for counseling. You don't need consoling. You don't need somebody to agree with you. you. You need somebody to stand up on top of the mountain and look down in the valley that you're in and say, that's where you're messing up, buddy, or that's where you're messing up, lady. Because husband bashing or wife bashing is going to solve nothing. You need to, if you need somebody to talk to, you need to find somebody that's going to challenge you and tell you the truth and not just say, yeah, I understand. So don't talk to your friend about that. Don't talk to your friend about your 10%. Talk to your friend about your 90%. Focus on that. If you need to talk to somebody, talk to a counselor or a mentor. You need somebody, ask me. I'll, I'll hook you up with somebody this afternoon. I've got somebody that, that you can talk to this week, okay, if you need that. So these are the things you do. You focus on this. You pray to God about the 10. Focus on what you have. Pray to God about the 10. And then just wait and watch God fulfill it. Let me do this a little backwards from the first service, uh, Tyler. So don't go to my next slide. I'm going to use it for my closing. Let me, let me say this real quick. I've got, I've got a cousin that gave me a parable one time. He, um, he was a, a motor scout, a you know, motorcycle policeman in, in Bessemer, a sergeant there. And um, I had bought a motorcycle. My, my, Dave, she allowed me to have one for three months. We kind of made a deal. Can I just have it three months? So we made a deal. And so, <laughs> you know, he was riding a motorcycle. And he, so he, he found out I bought one, and he said, he said, let me tell you something. This is you, and this is an accident. And you got bricks in between you and the accident. And he said, and every day, you're knocking out a brick. And you're getting, every day, you're getting closer and closer to that accident. And he said, the bad thing is, you don't know how many bricks you got. And when that accident comes, it won't give you any warning. It'll surprise you. It'll be the thing you, now listen, let me say this. We got bikers in this building. We got bikers in our church. That was my cousin's parable, okay? I'm going to say, let's rebuke that right now. And I want to speak just safety over everyone, all the bikers, and everybody in their cars too, but definitely over the bikers, okay? I'm not, say, I'm not saying that this is true. I'm saying this was his parable. I want to show you something with it. I want, to, I want to use it as a parable for us here in a minute because his last brick got knocked out one day. He was working a funeral in, in, uh, in the Bessemer area, and uh, you know how, how policemen work the funerals, how one will go up, stop traffic, hold the traffic while the line goes through, and then this policeman will, you know, he'll fly up, you know, and get to the next intersection, stop traffic, and they do this leapfrog thing, you know, as they're going through town. And uh, he was doing that, and in the middle of this funeral procession, someone decided they didn't need to go to the cemetery after all. And so while my cousin is flying up beside the line of cars, this person pulls out right in front of him, last second, no time to react, has a horrible accident. Thank God he wasn't killed. I don't know how many months he was in the hospital. Ended his career. Uh, he had to retire. And when I went to see him in the hospital, he remembered giving me that parable. And for him, that day did come true. He got to that last brick. Okay, God, we rebuke that over all of our bikers. We speak peace and we speak safety over all of them. That, Not relating it to that, but I want to relate it to doing the right thing. If you are not doing right, the right things in any area of your life, then you are here and there's a tragedy here. And every day you don't do the right things, you are knocking another brick out. And if you don't do the right things tomorrow, you're knocking another brick out. If you don't do the right things Tuesday, you're knocking another brick out. And every day you're knocking another brick out. And one of these days, you're going to knock the last brick out and tragedy is going to happen. That is not just a parable. That is fact. 
And when you don't do right things, tragedy is waiting. It is going to happen. I can't tell you how many people I have sat with that said, that said, my wife just asked for a divorce, divorce, and I had no idea she was even unhappy. They didn't know. But they weren't doing right things. Or, or, or women who have sat boohooing and crying with me and David. I, don't, I, don't, I, I didn't see this coming. I had no idea that he was, didn't have this 10% in our marriage. And she wasn't doing some right things. If you don't do right things in your marriage, there's a tragedy coming. If you don't do right things in raising your kids, there's tragedy coming. If you don't do right things in your, in your business, you've got a business, you don't do right things, you don't tell the truth to your customers, you, you fudge a little bit, you don't do right things, there's a tragedy coming. It's going to catch up one day. It's not maybe, it is. It's going to happen. If you don't do right things, you are knocking the brick out. And the bad thing is you don't know when the last brick is gone. Today may be the last brick. It's time to start doing some right things. Can I ask you to join me at the front? I'm, um, we'd like to close around front with a final song and a final prayer. And if you feel comfortable, even if you're a first-time attender, we'd love to have you join us up front. So, so come on this way, if you will. I got one last little thing to share with you, and we'll pray and, and sing a song and be dismissed. And if you will, everybody, take another step this way. Just get a little closer. Get everybody out of the aisles, but also just get a little closer as well. Okay, so, so, so let, me, let, me, let me tell you how to find those right things to do because we're not just talking about uh, marriages. We're talking about everything, right? I can't talk about it, but let me give you, let me give you a, an easy rule of thumb right here. How do you find those right things? I can't, I can't say it better than the Word of God said it. We read just a few moments ago. Love sacrificially, like Jesus. I can't say it any better than that. That's how you figure out what the right thing to do is. Husbands, next time you're in one of your interpersonal moments with your wife, maybe you're having a loud discussion about something, it'd be good to stop and think, am I treating my wife right now the way Jesus would be treating my wife? Am I speaking to her with the tone of voice that Jesus would be speaking to her? Ladies, same goes for you. The next time, maybe you're not, maybe you need to think and ask yourself the question, is this how Jesus would be treating my husband? Am I treating him that way? Uh, you know, I, the thing I had to cut out was about parents and kids, but let me just go ahead and say it. Are there any people who are children of other people in this room? Anybody who are children? Yeah, all of us, right? Okay. Most of you didn't get that. You got it now? Okay. We're all children, right? Hey, hey, if you're in your 60s, you no longer have to do what your parents tell you to do, okay? I'm going to say that, all right? But you need to show them respect while you're listening to them tell you their opinion. And so the next time you're with your parents, I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I treat my parents the way Jesus would be treating my parents? You want a great business? Ask yourself, do I treat my customers the way Jesus would treat my customers? You want better friends? Ask yourself, do I treat my friends the way Jesus tr would treat my friends? You want a better neighborhood? Do I treat my neighbors the way Jesus would treat my neighbors? And it's pretty simple right there. How do I know what the right thing to do is? Live sacrificially just like Jesus and love sacrificially just like Jesus. So here's what I want us to do. A little time of introspection before we sing, before 
almost before we pray, but I'm going to start praying. I, I want you to bow your head with me and close your eyes, if you will. I would like for you to join me in this. And I want you to ask right now, God, show me the areas in my life that I am not doing right things. I want you to ask that. You know, because you may be not doing wrong things. But I want you to ask God, God, tell me right now some places where I'm not doing those, those extra little 10% right things. My marriage, my, my, my career, my, my business, my relationships, my friendships. Just show me, God. My, my finances, just show me, God, right now. You know, normally I say don't start singing until you finish praying, but I want, to, I want to say it this way today. Don't start singing this song until you've heard from God and he's told you something that you need to start doing that is a right thing. It's not that you've been doing the wrong thing. It's just something you haven't gone the extra step and done the right thing to be able to get that place in your life to that 100%. That you've been at 80 and 90 way too long. That you've been trying to hold it all together, your universe, for too long. So what is that? So, so don't start singing until you hear God say, here's the right thing. And then purpose right now to start doing that right thing. Okay?